Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Overtime. Overtime Woo! is our weekly podcast where we get to go a little bit deeper into the weekend message. Christian wrapped up our Luke series. Yes, after 87 weeks, we have wrapped up our Luke series. So thanks for joining us today. We hope that you are challenged and encouraged. We're going to jump into kind of that last message in just a minute. We did want to draw your attention to a couple different things. Uh, the first is that Easter is coming up. So we are super excited. Obviously, Easter is a big day for the Christian church. So we are excited for what's happening. We've got a ton of different things that are going to be happening that Holy Week or that Passion Week, if you will. Um, we've got Stations of the Cross coming up. We have a Monday, Thursday service. Um, we've got more Stations of the Cross and then also an Easter egg hunt for the community, for children that we're going to be doing kind of with inflatables, a lot of fun. Um, and then also our Easter services. So there's a lot going on. If you want to know about any of those different things, you can go to our website, clcfamily.church slash Easter, or if you just go to the homepage, clcfamily.church, you'll be able to see Easter here at the CLC. Right so the Christian family. did a great job making that look pretty on the website. Nice. So if you go to it, you can see all the different things. There's ways that you can serve and you can get involved. We would love to have you be a part of that, helping even some of those stations of the cross, helping with the Easter egg hunt. Um, but we would love your participation in that. So we want to let you know about Easter. It's coming up. Check out our website. The other thing, just to mention real briefly, is that this Sunday on March 26th, Seventh was supposed to be the official start day of our brand new pastor, uh, Pastor Bob Myers and his wife Liz. They were going to be joining us. We did announce and let you know this week that there was a death in their family. And so they are tending to that death. So we want to say keep them in prayer. That does delay their start week by about one week. So it'll be, you'll see Bob the following Sunday on the 3rd of, of April. Um, so he'll be delayed one week. I'll be filling in just kind of doing a standalone message. But please keep the Myers family in prayer specifically his his younger brother who had passed away. So just keep that entire family in prayer, and we want to let you know that. Just so when I show up on Sunday, you're not like, who's that? That's who's not this guy? Bob. Yeah. They've lied to us yeah. for weeks. No, that's not what's happening. Not so definitely keep them in prayer. So with that... <clears throat> Welcome to episode uh, number 117. We're glad that you're joining us. Yeah, we wrapped up 87 the of the series. episodes on Luke. 87 <laughs> weeks on Luke out of the 117 podcasts. That's, that's a lot, yeah. So that's a long time to be talking about Luke. Now, you you said you added up the sermons, and it was close to 100 hours? Or I or added you... up, I counted up the sermon series. It was 11 sermon series. And then I looked at, okay. like, the hours... And it's like just under 100 hours. Right. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. So it's been a significant a amount of time. So maybe we'll, we'll dive into that. I feel like I've got some questions. We'll work mm. through um, the text. We were in the last chapter. So it was chapter 24 of the book of Luke. And we went through, uh, what was it, starting in verse 25? What did I write 24. Down? 24 yeah, yeah. through kind of I'm the sorry. end of that. Chapter 24, verse 36. 36. Okay. See, we both, this is why we We're both need to We're really on it right now. So uh, do you want to kind of give us a, uh, bring us up to speed, kind of a review of what we talked about on Yeah. Sunday? So the, uh, it's hard because we skipped a few chapters. Ben talked about in his sermon uh, the week before last that, um, that we were skipping four chapters for we you know he he you, you taught in t chapter twenty is that right 
which week? Last week. No, last I did. Week? I did John thirteen. So oh, I, yeah, you're I, in John thirteen. Yeah, we started wrapping up by Luke, and I went to John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we we missed four chapters. So what I decided to do is I just jumped to the end of the book because one thing my professor said, and I wasn't trying to give this as advice to the high school students, was that um, you that's could. That's what read, I heard it as. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's probably what they heard it as too. But uh, this idea of you know, if you can't read a whole book, if you don't have time to read a whole book, read the beginning, graze through the middle, just like pick out some things, and then read the end. And usually most of the time you can get an idea of what the book's been about. So I have kind of followed that advice since we couldn't do uh, Luke chapter 20 to uh, really the beginning of 24, um, which we invite you to do in your own time. We jumped in on just chapter 24, verse 36, and went to verse 53 to finish out the book. Uh, and the question we were really trying to wrestle with is we spent so much time in this book, we spent so many hours questioning, uh, studying, um, thinking through the words of Luke, for what purpose? Why would we spend so much time doing that? And really, we should ask that question all the time, is why am I investing this time that I will never get back into this? What's the objective? And so the question that we wrestled with is, in light of the book of Luke, what would Jesus have us do? What would um, Jesus invite us into? <clears throat> and so we worked through this passage that... Um, shows the last interactions that Jesus has uh, from Luke's take from his perspective with the disciples. And, and in that interaction, Jesus reminds them, and this is something he's done all throughout the book of Luke, reminds them of the bigger picture of God's plan to basically fix everything that's broken, to redeem and restore all that is broken so that um, we can have a relationship with our loving Heavenly Father, right? And so he reminds us of this plan. And Jesus says, in order for this plan to come to fruition, three things have to happen. The, uh, the Messiah's got to be crucified and killed. Check, that happened. Everyone saw that. The second thing was the, the Messiah then must rise again, beat death. They verified that that happened. Jesus actually, in the passage that we wrestled with, um, showed them that he was very much resurrected, very much alive. <clears throat> Check. And the third thing uh, Jesus said must be fulfilled actually had yet to be done. And it was to go and proclaim the good news to all people, proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins. Um, and that hadn't been done because the disciples had been locked up, right? They were, they were locking themselves inside because they didn't want to go out in fear of their lives. And so <clears throat> how we wrapped up the book of Luke is that we, God is inviting us not to be bystanders, not just to sit and take notes and be like, wow, this is a great book. But rather, God's inviting us to be participants in this big plan. Yeah. And this is a theme we see all through the book of Luke. And really, candidly, it's a theme we see all throughout the Bible is that um, God's inviting us to be participants, not bystanders. God's inviting us to um, taste and see that God is good, to experience the goodness of God through the repentance and forgiveness of sins, but then also to um, participate in building the kingdom on earth through how we love our neighbor, through how we love our enemies, through how we interact with people who are different than us, through, um, through all these different things that Jesus models, right? And so I think the way I tried to like wrap up the book is what would Jesus have us do? He'd have us participate, not, in, not, in, not just by watching, but by actually participating in building the kingdom of heaven on earth, which is easier said than done. Like we talk about it all the time and we think about it all the time, we study about it all the time, but the whole point is to actually do it. So I think that's what we tried to kind of wrap up. Um, that's kind of what we wrestle through. And then of course, after Jesus says that's what, you know, should be done, he pieces out, he's carried up into heaven. Uh, and then the disciples actually lean into what he invited them into. So really cool 
cool ending to the book and cool setup for the book of Acts. So. Yeah, and I thought <laughs> we always encourage you that if you haven't already watched the message to start with that. Like that is always kind of first step and then we try and expound, yeah. expand a little bit on it here. I um, thought you did a great job. Like I really enjoyed it. Not just because in the funny, because not in the beginning you were funny. Thanks. He was really funny. I appreciate there, it, Ben. There were some good jokes there. It was I only really do good. this podcast so Ben can tell me how funny I am. <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny, but also it, it kind of, uh, I feel like there was ups and downs, right? Yeah. Like, so there's, you're drawn in by what you're saying, but I also just felt like it had great illustrations, but just the message was so good. Like, what would God have us do? That's exactly it. The kingdom of God had come, and now we get to participate yeah. in it. And and I feel like that's been Luke's desire ever since the beginning. Yeah, it's a theme he's come to over and over yeah. again. So if we don't have it by this yeah. point in time, then yeah. something's wrong. Yeah, so as we work through it, what, what version did you use? You used the I'm a big NR, NRSV guy. SV, NI. NRSV, yeah, New Revised Standard Version. That's a version that I, uh, my some of my professors recommended. So I think it's more of a literal uh, word for word. Okay, If I'm great. remembering correctly. I could have that wrong, but yeah, I just like it. It's what I use. Uh, so what I want to do is we'll we'll kind of read through this passage and just kind of talk about it. But if there's anything that you want to jump in and say, sure. uh, please do. Uh, again, thought the illustrations were good. In fact, I feel like initially, kind of my hope and my desire was like, man, I really want to wrap up the Luke series. Like, I not not that that's like the end of an era. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then honestly, on Sunday, as I was sitting in the back pew, because I'm I'm also hosting online usually during that service if I'm not preaching. Um, I was sitting there going, man, Christian's such a good communicator. It's a good thing I didn't wrap up this series. So I just thought it was a great bookend, right? Mm -hmm. Like to just, so what do we do with all of this? And again, I know we missed four chapters. They're pretty critical chapters, right? Like we (laughs) We kind of missed the the death and resurrection of Jesus. We paused right as Jesus (laughs) makes his way into Jerusalem for the last week of his life, right? Like, but I think it was a great kind of synopsis of just going, okay, so we're going to jump to the end. We're going to look at this. And I thought you did a great job with that. So I want to kind of work through this. And then if you are joining us online, if you're watching this live, it looks like we have a couple different uh, people on yeah, a couple couple different feeds. What's so going on? If hey. you guys want to say, hey, we'd love to see you in the chat. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear those. Also, if you have any questions, you can email overtime at clcfamily.church. I feel like we've lost a little bit of traction in that, but we also took about a month break. So it's, true. it's not any of your fault. It's my fault. And if you want to send in like your favorite GIF, you can too, if you really want to engage in that way. Go yeah, forward. you could do that too. If you, don't know what a, if you don't know what GIF or GIF is what I call it, I, it's wrong. a That's debate. Wrong. He says it's wrong. I think it's still a gift, yeah. but whatever. Uh, if if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. It's nothing important. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so as we jump into the text, uh, we were again in chapter 24, starting in verse 36. But even before that, what happens, it's important because 36 says, while they were talking about this. Yeah, so, so something's happening So already. something yeah. has already begun. So basically, as you start chapter 24, Jesus is resurrected, right? Like, let me make sure that I'm not doing this. Yeah, first day of yeah. the week, Jesus is resurrected resurrected um there's uh the the two witnesses are are women so Mm -hmm. they go and they tell the disciples some of the disciples run they see that it's empty they're confused and kind of wondering what all this means Mm -hmm. Uh, and then in verse 13 what we see is kind of there's these two disciples that are on the road to Emmaus and they are traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus which I think is about a 20 mile 
journey. Did you say this on Sunday or did I hear this from uh, somewhere else? I don't know if I said any of this on Sunday. Okay, the, the, the details of Emmaus. I didn't dive too much. Then I might yeah. have. I might have studied it the week before. And you could have. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was about a twenty or twenty-two mile journey or something yeah. like that. So it's doable, but it is a pretty long hike. And so on this road to Emmaus, basically these two disciples, and they weren't like Peter or John. They were like disciples. They were followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. but not necessarily like part of the twelve yeah. apostles, right? So. So as they're on the road, they encounter Jesus. They just don't know it's Jesus. They're like, oh, who's this guy? And Jesus, what's so funny is that Jesus just explains everything to them. Like, yeah. it's a significant journey. Yeah. He explains all of Scripture, like all of the Old Testament. And then they, like, uh, they arrive at Emmaus, and they're like, uh, Jesus is kind of acting like he's going on, like he's continuing. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, stay, stay. Stay, and then they break bread with Jesus, and then all of a sudden their eyes are open, and they go, oh, "Wait is... a minute, that's Jesus." Yeah. We're not our hearts burning while we were on the road. Like, yeah. wait a minute, yeah, that makes sense. And so that happens. So then they travel back to Jerusalem. What a waste of time. Right? At that Excuse moment, me. to tell the disciples mm-hmm. what they had seen, mm-hmm. and so that's where we pick up in verse thirty-six. It says, uh, basically, as these two disciples come to tell the apostles and the other disciples. It says, as they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them. So these two disciples come, they tell them everything that they had known known to them. And as it happens, poof, there's Jesus. Yeah. You talked about locked doors. Yeah. And uh, like, did you want to go more into that or, or yeah. even bring that back up? Yeah, I mean, because like when we listen, when we see... I think when we read the passage for the first time, we're not that startled. We're like, yeah. Jesus appeared among them. Like, you know, you. I yeah. think our imagination sometimes, uh, while it's a really good tool for, you know, re- with Scripture sometimes, sometimes it can be misleading because we read that and we're like, oh, like Jesus just, you know, showed up. Like you walked yeah. through the door. Um, but again, it's it's one account. If you can, the, the other accounts of the gospel, they are meant to complement each other and, you know, to add to the whole account, right? And so... Um, and John's account is very specific that uh, said like the doors were actually locked because the yeah. disciples were hiding. And so then when you put the two accounts together, you realize, okay, maybe they were terrified because Jesus appeared, but like the doors were locked, right? <laughs> That's like if you lock your house and then some, some guy is standing in your kitchen. It like throws you off. You're like, wait, the doors are locked. Like, what are you doing here? But the, in this in this case... They I see it's Jesus, and they're like, "Wait, you're dead too!" Like, yeah. so you're a dead he guy. Saw you die. <clears throat> yeah. So they're freaking out for a moment, right? And then it says they thought he was a spirit, because okay, that would make sense. A spirit can go through walls and doors and all that stuff, so it must just be a spirit. Um, yeah. And so they're freaking it's, out. I do think, like, so for us, I mean, we have television, right? Like, so we see special effects. We yeah. we have all of this yeah, kind of true. imagery we're that we that yeah. Way. So we're like, okay, yeah, he showed up. I've seen that all. Like, maybe we don't consciously think of this, but it's like, yeah, yeah, so we can visualize, poof, there they are. Maybe even, like, magicians. We're like, yeah, there's some trickery there. But imagine that you're not, you don't understand television. You don't have special effects. Like, and Yeah, or CGI. Like, (laughs) imagine what it was like for the disciples. And on top of that, they were probably fearful. Like, Peter, as he denies Jesus three times, he was scared. He was scared of losing his life. So mm-hmm. most likely they're they're locked because they're also going, are they coming for us? Yeah. Like, what's next? Like, the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders just crucified the guy that we spent three years walking with. Yeah. 
is he coming after us as well? So there is a ton of fear that I feel like if you slow down and you read it, but even Luke in his presenting it, Luke presents it as a fact, yeah, right? It's yeah. like Jesus showed up. Jesus beard, like very normal, natural thing. <laughs> like he doesn't expound what or expand. What do you expect the son of God to do? Yeah, he just kind of goes, and Jesus showed up among them. Yeah. And he keeps going. <laughs> like It's like Jesus was there. And yeah, it's like, he's, whoa, time out. He what? expects the readers to, I guess, understand that. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's just interesting as he says it. So it says, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I have always found it fascinating, and you talked a little bit about this on Sunday, that whenever an angel shows up, like, usually it's like, do not be afraid. Calm down. Or peace. <laughs> yeah. Like, and why is that? Because angels are probably the most frightening thing Ever. Not that they're like ugly creatures. I'm not trying to say that. Although if you read Revelations and you see what some of the angels... Creepy looking like, things. Man, maybe it is the most yeah. terrifying thing ever. Like, yeah. But just not, not even that. But just the whole idea of the natural coming into the, the same, uh, like, I guess, visual space as the supernatural. That has got to be... Yeah off-putting yeah right like, it's like the physical coming across what i understand is like the metaphysical like yes. just outside um not that you know angels aren't phys- physical and yeah, all that right, stuff right um I, my i'm not an expert in any of that <laughs> stuff but like it's it's just kind of in a in a cool way otherworldly um because yeah. they are kind of beings of heaven in some ways right, so yeah right. it's and so yeah. in my mind jesus shows up in a brand new body right the, the, his resurrected body he's brand new like he probably looks somewhat i don't know i i this might not be accurate but he probably looks somewhat familiar but at the same time doesn't look familiar at all so the probably idea did not look anything like they when they last saw him yeah he's being killed or right even taken away right. right even that like just the the beating that his body would have taken yeah. like that i mean that image to a now resurrected yeah. Jesus is a completely different image. So yeah. startled, they're scared, a peace be with you. It says they were startled and terrified and they thought that they were seeing a ghost. So verse 38, he said to them, why are you frightened? <laughs> well, Jesus, where do we all start? Of that, <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot going on in my little mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, why are you uh, frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And you parked on this kind of that, that second part um, for a little like while. four pages or yeah, something. Yeah, and I thought that it was so good, this idea of doubts, because I think a lot of the times when, when we read through Scripture, it's easy for us to just kind of think, okay, they were disciples, they were they were with Jesus, they saw his miracles, they saw everything that he did. They didn't struggle with any doubts. They knew that Jesus, if I could just see the miracles that Jesus did, that he yeah. performed, I wouldn't have any doubts. Yeah. No, 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 no. Here's the disciples, and the word that Jesus uses here is doubts. Why do you doubt. Mm. And so I think that that brings a little bit of comfort because when you do experience doubts and, and I don't want to take the words out of your mouth because you sure. talked about this on Sunday. Like I, I personally, I love when people come with questions and doubts, yeah. I love, I get excited. It's kind of why we have overtime. Yes, it is. It's the exactly exact reason why we have overtime. Yeah. But what, maybe do you want to speak into that? Like even your thoughts, like how the church maybe hasn't necessarily done all that well. Yeah. With doubt. I think what I think. Um, I think we've misinterpreted doubt a lot. I think yeah. a lot of times people have looked at doubts and they say you're questioning God. You are not having faith. You should not be asking those questions because if you had faith, 
then you wouldn't need to ask those questions. And really, the only thing that does is it doesn't get rid of the very natural questions that people have. It's just, you know, it's just another way to say, like, just shut up and have more faith, which it's never really served. It doesn't serve people that well. Not to say that faith isn't important. It is. And I think doubt actually can help that. Um, however, uh, I see, I've seen people like leave the church. I've seen people not stay with the church because they've had very legitimate valid questions and instead of a community coming alongside them and wrestling with those questions um, some people have been shamed for asking those questions and um, and the hard part is it doesn't get rid of their questions they still have them but now they just don't have a community to work through them with and that is the big that's the biggest loss right there because not only you know people throw in the towel on their faith a lot of times because they don't have that space to do questions so um, and the reason why I've kind of uh, uh, grown comfortable with doubt is you know in my time in school, there's a lot of questions that were brought forth and I was like, crap, well, I have two options. I could throw in the towel all together or I could just lean in and ask good questions and be comfortable when I don't have answers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest part too because in everything everybody likes to do, they like to have answers. They like to ask, know why things happen. They like yeah. to know all the details because we like control. So that's almost my effort to want to be God is to have control. And part of the way that we try and do that <coughs> is to have all the answers, um, but that's not very helpful. Um, and so I always try and go back to like, why is it that we are here where we have questions? Well, it's because we're finite beings. I can't comprehend everything, right? Um, like I sat on this chair. I didn't do the math to ensure that the chair would hold my weight. Or when I came up the stairs, I wasn't um, you know, doing the math to discern, to understand how it is that the stairs could hold me up. But every step I took, it's a step of faith, not understanding what's going on with the building holding me up, but I'm gonna trust that it is holding me up. And so <clears throat> doubt a lot of times is when we're just asking more questions. It's never a bad thing because that could lead to clarity in a lot of ways. There's a lot of questions that I've asked um, that actually helped me grow my understanding of who God is. But there's also a lot of questions that I've asked that I've never gotten answered, that I don't have clarity on. And so what does that leave me to do except either, um, you know, throw in the towel or just trust that, hey, in my finiteness, my inability to understand this, I still trust that God's good. Like I still have faith. I'm still going to chart the course and and pursue Jesus. So, um, but yeah, so I always, I wanted to be very... candid about that because I want the Christian Life Center to be a place where people can bring all their questions like literally nothing's off limit. That's kind of what we try and do with our student ministry and they ask incredible questions. The kids ministry, Megan Frisley been sharing some <laughs> questions that the kids were asking yeah. and holy cow. Dude, are they there were some significant questions that it was like. Incredible theological questions. I don't questions. know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. One. And so I hope we can be a place yeah. that asks questions. Um, I hope we're a place that's comfortable uh, with saying I don't know because we should find comfort, and I come back to this a lot, we should find comfort that we can't pin God down. Yeah. I should find a lot of comfort in the fact that I have questions of God that can't be answered. Because if every question I ask of God could be answered, that would probably be a really small God. Yeah. And I don't want to worship a small God that I can comprehend, right? Yeah. And so we should find great comfort in that. But it doesn't mean we should stop asking questions, but we should be very comfortable when we maybe can't land on an answer. That's where we say, okay, I don't understand but I'm gonna I'm gonna chart the course anyway. I'm gonna have faith. I'm gonna trust that even though I don't understand this, um, you know, that God's still good. That God's yeah. doing something. So I think that is how faith can actually be such a a catalyst for faith. In fact, I think that could be one of the big most formative things for faith yeah. is doubt handled well. Uh, and I say handled well because sometimes you can handle doubt. 
poorly too. Um, yeah, I think, I think on Sunday you said like some of the some of the best witnesses are those that wrestled with doubt. Yeah, right. Because right. like yeah. if if someone was doubting previously and now they're so compelled by the thing that they yeah. previously doubted, then something must have happened, and then they're probably pretty yeah. trustworthy, right? Right. Um, and so I, I I do think that's the case for sure. Um, yeah, I had another thought about. Uh, oh yeah, another thing I was going to mention is um, one. Someone said this to me a while ago, and it stuck. But God's big enough for a doubt, right? Yeah. God's big enough for our questions. They don't catch God off guard. In fact, I think God, you know, likes that we 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 are so enamored by theology and these questions to be able to wrestle through those things, <clears throat> as long as we are willing to land at a spot with, where we just don't have clarity. That's yeah. okay. That's where faith kind of comes in um, into play. Uh, and I think we some sorry this is what I was no, gonna say. Good. Sometimes we um, I think the problem is when we wrestle with our doubts and then we throw in the towel for faith. I think maybe because mm. we idolize our doubts because mm. um, we can idolize questions like oh well, if I can't get an answer to this then I'm not gonna follow God. Well mm. you know that's kind of <clears throat> that's making an idol of a question. It's not bad to have that question. It's really important to have that question. But yeah. if if that question is maybe gonna determine how it is that you do this journey, then man, are we making an idol of that? Are we making an idol of the things that we will just never be able to understand? Because um, that's life, right? You know, uh, I was listening to my buddy's podcast this morning, and he says, you know, <clears throat> everyone, teenagers and adults, all like have things that they just don't understand, but they're gonna just keep charting the course anyway. And so, um, honestly, it's just what faith is. It's just charting the yeah. course when we don't understand, when we can't see all the details of it. Um, that's exactly what faith is. So, yeah, yeah. I do want to give a, a shout out to Sue. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad What's that you're here. Hi, uh, Sue. We miss you. We want to see you soon. But uh, yeah, as we continue in that thought process, like yeah. one of the things that I was thinking, I've got a background in youth ministry too. One of the yeah. things that I always loved was questions because if there was questions, that generally meant that there's thoughts that students are, are they're walking engaged. through. Yep. They're, they're kind of, and so that created excitement in me, yeah. even to the point to where like, my wife kind of jokingly says she has her personal pastor, right? Like, so she'll have a question about the Bible and it's like half the time I don't know those questions like, yeah. or, or sometimes I do that I can give context to or, or thought, but I love when there's questions. So I even, I think that's a big part of why I love overtime. Like I'm so eager for questions just because I love that engagement because yeah. you're thinking through scripture, you're meditating on scripture. And I do think that there's a big difference between the way that God responds to questions and doubt mm -hmm. and the way that we do right yeah. because for us there's a nervousness there if like you you have somebody come to you and they go well i'm not sure about this we freak out because we don't necessarily have the answer or we don't have the right knowledge or maybe it's a question that we still kind of internally struggle with and so we don't know how to help them because we still haven't figured it out yeah. and so we tend to like get a little bit anxious maybe but when God, when we come to God, God is big enough. He's not worried by your doubt. He's yeah. not worried by your question. Yeah. It's not like he's sitting up with the angels going, oh, just asked that question. Just, oh, oh, what does it mean? I don't know. Like he's yeah. not worried. He's, and to your point, like he's a big enough God that yeah. he can handle any of our questions yeah. and our doubts. And I thought what you said, that illustration that you used on Sunday was a perfect illustration of going, where does doubt kind of sit in your car, yeah. if you will? Yeah. Um, if you wanted to talk a little, yeah, a little yeah. bit about that. The idea, and I, don't, I think we were going through a series like last year on doubt with our students. And I think this like image came to me of a car. Mm. All right, you have multiple seats in a car, but there's one seat that's distinguished from the rest, and that's the driver's seat. Uh, because the driver's seat, whoever's sitting in that calls the shots. They tell you where you're going. You know, you know, they chart the course. They determine the whole direction of the car, even if there's like you know, 
people in the backseat yelling, just like, oh, turn right, turn left, or, you know, backseat driving. Um, so that I, that image kind of helped me understand the role of doubt in our life a bit better. Um, <clears throat> because our life is like a car, where our mind is like every seat in the car except the heart, our heart, the seat of decision-making in our life, right? A lot of times we make decisions from the heart is the driver's seat. Uh, and life is just a journey of picking up passengers uh, of doubt. It could be in the form of uncertainty. A lot of times uh, there's life circumstances that cause us to doubt, like, oh, my dad died or, you know, someone passed away. That causes us to ask questions of, like, who is God, right? We process things theologically, especially loss. And so, um, so life is just driving, taking a stroll towards Jesus, like driving towards Jesus intentionally with just a bunch of different passengers in the car asking questions. Uh, and a lot of times those doubts can bring clarity, which is great. It's such a gift to have. However, sometimes when we can't get the answers that we want, that doubt then tries to drive the car and, you know, take you off course. Um, <clears throat> and so I like that image because it, it, it identifies the reality that those questions are normal. Like don't feel any shame in having any of those questions. Um, we should feel freedom that we can actually ask those questions. Um, <clears throat> it is a normal uh, byproduct of being a human being yeah. and having, you know, limited cognitive capabilities, right? Yeah. Um, so we should find great comfort in that and that we are not alone. I I'm, I'm, can almost guarantee that any question that any of us could think of has been asked before. Um, so <clears throat> we get to wrestle alongside thousands of years of tradition, also wrestling with some of these questions. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, the journey is just like a car. It's okay to have doubt in the, the back seat. Um, we just challenge us to not let that doubt sit in our heart, the seat of decision-making where it kind of calls the shots and tells us maybe to throw in the towel together. So that's kind of the image yeah. that I thought. I thought it was a great illustration <coughs> to use there. And then I want to continue on, but even talk still a little bit more about doubt um, and questions and kind of what we do with that doubt and question. So the next verse says, uh, so they're frightened. Uh, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Or, um, yeah, they thought that he was a ghost. Let me just go from 37. Mm -hmm. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 39, he says, look at my hands and my feet. See, it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And verse 40 says, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. I thought that this was, this was beautiful. The point that you made was that sometimes God does give clarity, yeah. right? Yeah. Like sometimes God does allow us to understand. It doesn't mean that it always happens, especially yeah. within our doubts, right? Especially within our questions. Like I, I do think you're absolutely right. Like so many people after something that happens significant in life, whether it's a loved one loss, yeah. a divorce, a hardship, a challenge, like there's always, it seems like, there's always this question of why. Yeah. And sometimes that's answered and sometimes it's not. Like, for example, I feel like my brother for years had this question of why. And he went through a divorce and kind of asked God why and struggled and wrestled with that. Not that he walked away from his faith or anything, but he wrestled with the why behind it. And I think that sometimes God does give clarity and sometimes God does not. Yeah. And sometimes it's years in the making that there is clarity and sometimes it, we just never know. So yep. how do we, if we find ourselves in a place or a season where we're asking God why, I don't know, is it, I guess I'm, just, I'm kind of making this question up. How yeah. do we know is, how do we know if asking the why question is okay? Like that doubt, it's okay to have the doubt, but is there a way to know? Like at what point do I know to, that I just need to let it go and that maybe I won't ever have an answer for it? Or yeah. do I keep asking God why? Is there 
any solution or idea or any no. thoughts that you have in that? Though what I think of is like sometimes as a kid, you had questions of your parents that your parents maybe couldn't answer. Maybe because like you know you're just too young to know, but also like because your parents and this this metaphor breaks down because your parents didn't understand, right? Obviously, God's omniscient, meaning he knows all things. But, um, you know, but I kind of see the relational component of, like, you know, um, our going to a parent and saying, like, why? And our parent mourns with us and says, like, I don't know. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think having a community is a, such a huge part of that. Um, that's why, you know, I want, would want the CLC to be a place where we can openly wrestle with our doubts uh, and, and kind of cheer each other on in our wrestlings as well. Um, but uh, I'd say, you know... As long as it's important to us, I think, to a degree, uh, God cares about that, right? And so I think um, we, we definitely continue to pray and work through and process God, why, God, why, God, why. But then <clears throat> when we don't get that clarity in the way that we want, um, we have to be willing to kind of lay that down and say, I understand I can't get clarity. I will trust this to you. Um, because the, the flip side of that is, you know, I don't want to idolize my idolize this question. Yeah. I don't want to idolize this thing. Uh, and I say idolize, like not that anyone's trying to make an idol of their pain. Um, <clears throat> but to some point, it's just recognizing that, man, I don't know if I can get clarity on this now. I'm going to just choose to trust, uh, trust this to God, um, and kind of, uh, give that to him. So, um, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's something that we've practiced too. I think we practiced it out well. Um, <laughs> and, uh, just navigating all that stuff. So that's kind of my take on that. How are we looking over here? Yeah, I do have a, a question, Victoria. Thank you so much for, for giving your quest, question. She said she's been shamed or has felt shamed uh, for having anxiety. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> anxiety is a, a tough one because it's not like you go, ah, I'm anxious. I should not be anxious. Yeah. Right? Like that doesn't work. Like, yeah. okay, let me try and be better and not being anxious. Well, if you're anxious, you're anxious. I think, yeah. I think intentionally seeking God like that. I don't, this is my only thought. It's not a solution. I feel like the only thing that I know is to go try and grow in my relationship with Christ and to give that to him mm -hmm. and for me to try and not take that back. Yeah. Um, so that, but that's not the question. It says, um, and thank you for your encouragement. It says, I needed this overtime today. Mm -hmm. um, I thought my faith was growing stronger and then I lost my father Sunday morning. First mm -hmm. of all, so sorry to hear of your father's loss. I know Last week, I think we, we prayed, we spent a little bit of time in prayer, and I'm so sorry to hear. If there is anything that we can do as a church or as individuals, please reach out to us um, as far as funerals, as arrangements. Like, if there's anything that we can do, please, please let us know. Let us be a community that can walk with you in that. But then kind of specifically the question she goes is, how do I stop asking why? And it, it does look like I'm having a little bit of internet issues. Hopefully that's just with my computer. Sure. There's nothing wrong with the stream. But um, yeah, I, man, I, I feel like I want to jump in. I obviously want you to jump in too. <laughs> yeah. But like right now, I don't know if you will be able to stop asking why, right? Like it's so fresh. That's part of the grief mm -hmm. that you will be experiencing is that especially if it was a sudden loss, Allow yourself to grieve. And there is no roadmap to grief. It's not like, okay, grief for you looks like X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Grief looks different for every single person in every single situation. So I think right now, part of that, you're, what you're experiencing is grief in asking why and not understanding. And it's, it may be something that continues. It may be something that lessens, mm -hmm. but it's so fresh and so raw that right now, don't, I would say don't worry about 
how do I stop asking why? It's okay to ask why. Like right now, bring your grief, bring your anxiety, bring your pain to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And as you do that, I've experienced some of the worst seasons of my life. Like uh, the, specifically the one that I'm thinking of right now is when my wife and I, in 2018, we experienced a miscarriage. It was some of the most painful, one of the most painful seasons of, of our lives. It was so bizarre to me because here was this child that I had never even known that I was still even anxious, this idea of being a father, like what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden that's not, that's, that's kind of taken from me. I felt grief that I didn't even know that I had, right? Like I felt this sense of loss where I didn't, it was weird to me because I didn't even have like this idea of being a father was still brand new that I didn't even know that I would experience a sense of loss. But in that season, and I don't mean to make it about me, in that season, the point that I'm trying to make is that in one of the worst seasons of my life, mm. I also felt the peace that only God can bring. It was a peace that transcends all human understanding. It was a peace that I just knew that everything was going to be okay, that God was still good. I didn't understand I wasn't very happy <laughs> in that moment. Like I, I was so confused and lost and angry, but at the same time, I knew that God was good. And through my tears, I just tried to say, God, I know that you were still good. I don't understand. I'm a little bit bitter. I'm a little bit angry. Please help me in my emotions. But I know that you're still good. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah uh, super appreciate you sharing. I've uh, been in a similar boat. My dad passed away a year and a half ago. And I'll be honest, there's still some days that I ask why. And I, I'm preaching here on Sunday. Am I allowed to do that, right? Like I preach at the church and I lead students and, and I'm asking why on occasion. I would honestly say that I feel like why is sometimes a question of faith, right? Because mm -hmm. all it is is you're identifying your humanness, your inability to, you know, fully comprehend the things of God, which is totally okay. It's normal. We should find comfort in that. But I feel like asking why is a question of faith because uh, I remember I talked about in Hebrews 11, it, it defines faith as um, being certain of what we don't see. <clears throat> asking why is just identifying I don't see, <laughs> right? Uh, and so you can ask why and still practice faith because practicing faith is the continuing to chart forward. I'd say even <clears throat> every time we ask God why, we're still going to God. That's a practice of faith. And uh, when we ask why, it is just our identifying that um, we are identifying that which we can't see. And so I wouldn't um, find discouragement in the, the wrestling of the questions. And I totally agree with what Ben said to you. I think it's a practice of asking why, but then, you know, entrusting it to, the, to God when we don't get the answer. Right, because I'm still asking why sometimes, and I don't get an answer in the way that I would like to. And so, <clears throat> the way to respond is then to um, entrust that to, you, or just to kind of lay it down. Um, but it's totally okay to ask that every now and then. I think that is an exercise of faith, um, so long as we continue to chart forward. Um, but I do appreciate you sharing again. I'm so terribly sorry for your loss. Um, uh, and I appreciate you just kind of sharing that question. I hope you know you have a community here to wrestle with that stuff with as well. And that's what I found for me. It was the biggest gift is I'd have these questions and I'd go to friends and wrestle with this stuff. And they were in a place, you know, different place in life, not maybe grieving in the same way that I was. So they um, they were a huge support for me uh, and was really were really able to care for me in that too. Um, yeah, how are we doing? Yeah, so we are still live. For some reason, I'm, I'm having a ton of connectivity okay. issues here with my laptop, but it looks like our stream is still going. Cool. Um, so thanks for, for being here. We're going to continue on. Uh, I'm going to pull up my Bible here. Yeah. 
just because I've lost my internet connection, which is really strange. So, yeah, so let I want to continue on in that passage. Um, again, if you're just joining us, thanks so much for joining us. This is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the, the weekend message. Christian wrapped up our Luke series. We were in Luke chapter 24, 24. <laughs> starting in verse 36, and we're just kind of working our way through it. So this might be a different translation than what we used on Sunday. <coughs> Uh, but continuing on, so Jesus in this moment gives clarity. Like he provides clarity to his mm-hmm. disciples showing, look at my hands, look at my feet. Um, even what we'll see is that he eats something, right? Yeah. Like, so he provides clarity and a little bit of understanding. And continuing on, it says this, um, he sh- verse 40, and he, then he, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41, and while they still disbelieved for joy, they were marveling. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? Mm. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it before him. Kind of funny, the two different um, tellings. I think that in John is where we see Peter um, uh, restored after the denial. Jesus like makes the disciples fish. And here yeah. they the disciples give Jesus fish. Yeah. So very much the food of that culture in that time. But it's interesting that Jesus eats. Yeah. You said, even making the point, a spirit wouldn't be able to eat. Yeah, I think that's part of the stuff that I study. I think that's what Jesus was trying to get at because they thought he was a spirit. But um, it was kind of understood that if he's a spirit with no body and he ate food, like he couldn't eat food because the food has to go somewhere. It doesn't just dissipate. It has to go into a stomach. And so Jesus was showing them, I can't be a spirit because watch, here's the fish that you just gave me. Let me eat it. Where is it, right? It's in my stomach. Uh, spirits can't just do that. So uh, he's trying to verify that he wasn't a spirit. He was a, 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 a restored, uh, yeah, restored, resurrected Jesus is yeah. what he was kind of about, trying to validate there. So... Yeah, I do think that it's it's interesting. It says, and again, this might be a different translation. It says, um, and while they were still disbelieving, mm. right? Like while they still had their questions, while they still had their doubts, while they still, um, for joy, they were marveling. So there's this almost eager anticipation. Like I don't believe it, but there's something stirring. Yeah. I would even say maybe there's something stirring in their spirit to, yeah. to sound Pentecostal, right? Like there's something stirring in them that they're excited for, even though they're still wrestling with their doubts. And it is, I think, something that like when we see that, I think it's almost even an argument of going faith and doubt can both coexist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think a lot of times people thought that they were in, in conjunction, not in conjunction, uh, in contrast to each other. But I do think sometimes where we see doubt, um, we see a greater wave of faith because doubt, if we handle it well, can, um, can lead us to grow exponentially in our faith. I would say it's probably one of the greatest, um, most unpleasant ways that we can grow in our our faith is through doubt. But uh, yeah, it's all about kind of how we handle it and if we're going to idolize it or not. Maybe even though most impactful. Yeah, mo- probably most impactful because I think a lot of times doubt comes in the in the wake of two things is what I kind of talked about with my students. One are, you know, just our cognitive ability to understand things. We naturally have questions because our brains can't understand everything. Um, but then our circumstances give birth to a lot of doubt too. So oftentimes if you find someone's doubting, it's because of something that falls into one of those two categories. And everybody deals with that. So yeah. to a degree, everybody at one point or another is going to have questions about things that they want answered. Uh, and 
and we <coughs> might call that doubt. Excuse me, I don't have COVID. It's just a little thing. I just th need need to clarify. I did test. It's a little uh, thing that's been going around. Uh, anyway, um, so um, so I think doubt can be such a, a formative thing if we let it. If we're willing to, I think the biggest thing is being comfortable with the mystery and the 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 reality that we can't always get clarity in those things. And some people just aren't comfortable with that. And that's something that's really hard. But that's where faith comes in. So, yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. I'm, as my I, wife would say, a, a broken record right now. Just I do repeating think it's, some things. I do think it's funny, though. Like, from nowadays, you cough, and it's like, it's not coughing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. We're good. Um, yeah, so we did get internet restored, at least on my laptop. Hopefully, Woo! there's nothing wrong with the stream. So, continuing on, we are at verse uh, 44. Uh, and when he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. This is, I, it's so amazing because this is not the first time that Jesus has explained stuff. Like you, you even were saying on Sunday, like Jesus time and time again, like on the road to Jerusalem, yeah. he pauses to tell them, tell you all about I'm going to die, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I'll, I'll be killed three days later i'm going to rise again like this is not the first time that jesus is explaining yeah. the law and the prophets and psalms like right like they spent three years with him but here it's in such a way that they're they see mm. and maybe it's because they're standing with a resurrected jesus who yeah. they saw crucified and now all of a sudden they go Oh, when he said he was going to be crucified, he, he meant literally. crucified. Yeah. <laughs> and when he said he was going to be resurrected, he meant here he is, right? Like, so maybe it was that. But it's just, I think, again, it's Jesus brings clarity mm -hmm. to his disciples. And then he's about to disappear, right? So continuing on, it says, uh, verse 45, And then he opened their minds to understand the prophets, 46. And he said to them, Thus it was written that the Messiah is to suffer and to raise from the dead on the third day, 47, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are my witnesses of these things. Verse 49, and see, I am sending you, uh, sending, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So this kind of goes back full, full circle to where we started, where mm -hmm. kind of the recap of going, here's the three things. Jesus dies, he raises again, and then witnesses, right? To yeah. proclaim the gospel. So uh, I, I I don't know. Anything else that you wanted to share, even in kind of addition, or maybe it's not even in addition, just even to recap kind of what yeah. we talked about on Sunday. Yeah, I think um, I think bearing witness is something starts with experiencing it first, mm -hmm. um, and not and not that our witness. I wanted to clarify this after Sunday. Our witness should not be contingent on our feeling compelled because sometimes mm -hmm. faith is uh, being a witness anyway because you've tasted and seen the goodness of God, even though at this juncture in your life, you may not feel all of that, right? Like when my <clears throat> dad passed away, I was immediately feeling joy to still be a witness and to proclaim the goodness of God, even though I still believe by faith that I know those things to be true. So I wanted to clarify and say our witness should not be based on our feelings in the moment. However, <clears throat> 
the hope is that we've experienced the goodness and the love of God uh, that has compelled us enough to take the step of faith. Um, we won't always feel all those things all the time, which is a-okay. Um, see, we, we, we don't want to idolize our doubts, but we don't want to idolize our feelings, right? Because yeah. sometimes I think... Jesus might not give us the answers, but he also might not give us like the feelings, you yeah. know, within ourselves, And that's okay. Like that takes faith too to chart forward, even though you don't feel like it, right? Yeah. It's like doing laundry. Do you ever want to do it? No. But do you need to do it? Yeah. Right. Um, and so uh, I say that my wife laundry? is so gracious. She you does must. most of my stuff. <laughs> what am I talking about? I've got a good wife too. Yeah. <laughs> She's very kind. I, I help with dishes and stuff and you can message her if you want to learn more about our arrangement of chores. Um, but the idea is that we shouldn't idolize answers. We shouldn't idolize feelings because faith sometimes means that one of those will be lacking and we chart forward anyway. Right. And so, um, I don't even know where I was at, gosh. But, oh, yeah. So our witness, yeah. our bearing witness to what we have at one point in time tasted and experienced to be great, um, that conviction, that faith should be driving our witness. Mm -hmm. But I did use the example on Sunday is sometimes we bear witness to the things that have really impacted us, right? Like I told people, I, I, I love it every time I go to Nashville. I'll actually be going in a few weeks for a conference. Um, every time I go to Nashville, I go to this place called San Antonio Tacos. And I tell people uh, who I know that are going to Nashville, I say, you have to go to San Antonio Tacos because I've tasted and seen this place. And it is amazing. Right, and so I want pictures when you go. I just oh want to see what they look homemade like. Homemade tortillas. You can watch them make it. Uh, yeah, I could. I could talk. About I'm this hungry right now. This is a bad time. I'm starting <laughs> yeah. to salivate. Yeah. So, um, but we bear witness to the things that are more impact on us. And if we've truly experienced the goodness of God, mm. if we've truly experienced the love and the compassion that He has for us, the forgiveness and just the grace that He shows us, um, if we've really, really experienced that in such a profound way, then we just can't help but share. Yeah. But share that, right? Um, it's we just can't help but tell people about it, right? We have the good. And I don't want to just reduce God to like a good experience or like a product. I'm not trying to do that at all because he's far greater and more profound than that. But I do think, um, you know, in my limited way to express it, if we've experienced something so good, the only natural outcome is that we share it, right? Yeah. Is that we um, tell other people about it um, and invite them into that so they can experience it too, so that they can know that they are cared for by an infinite God who's just so merciful and so kind. Um, we can bring other people into that and let them experience that for themselves. Like that is what it means to kind of witness in this case is just to show people, Hey, this is, it's like showing, I don't know what line it is from some song. It's, but it's just showing all the like thirsty people where the water is. Like mm. the, the thing that you've been searching for all, all the while is right here. And I've, and I've, I've drank from the stream. Like it is so good. It is nourishment for my soul. And I want mm. you to experience that as well. Uh, and so it's kind of, yeah. It's, it's kind of <laughs> a silly illustration, but to your point, like, I feel like kind of the same one with tacos, right? For, yeah. So for me, there was a season where I changed car insurance that was Geico. And I literally saved $400 by switching to Geico. I, I saved too. Dude, you got you Geico. got a comparison shop every like four years. You've yeah. got to just make a switch yeah. and you'll save a ton. Like, But anyway, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. But I, I, for a season, I became a walking billboard for yeah. Geico because yeah. I'm like, Dude, I saved four hundred dollars. You should switch. Like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't making money. It wasn't like a referral program. Like, yeah. it was just out of the excitement of saving money that I'm going. Yeah. I want to share. Yeah, it's the same thing with Jesus. It should be out of this excitement. It doesn't mean that your feelings and your emotions are always there, yeah. but that it should be this excitement to share. How could I not share 
what Christ has done? How yeah. can I not be a witness of the things that I've seen and heard and experienced while calling him my Lord and my Savior? Yeah, yeah. So one of, the, one of the things, the illustrations that I think was, real, again, really good, um, <clears throat> not to make you emotional or to potentially yeah, yeah, make yeah, it yeah. emotional, um, but uh, you had talked about kind of how we get to put on, like we're clothed in the power yeah, that God yeah. gives us. Uh, and you talked about kind of this, uh, the clothing <coughs> that you had worn, this sweater. Yeah. And I, dude, Just I, I wasn't going to say it, yeah. I, but like I did notice. I was like, man, Christian seems to wear that a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I didn't wear that. it yesterday. Don't worry. But yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this sweater. This is my dad's sweater. He yeah. passed away. Uh, and so I, um, I wear this cause I, I get, you know, you feel close to your loved one when you kind of wear their articles of clothing. This was a bracelet I wore on Sunday, literally had this on probably every single day for four years now. Uh, he gave that to me. Um, but it was actually interesting when I was reading the passage, um, I was thinking of the passage where Paul says that we'll be clothed, uh, with the spirit as well and clothed with like, you know, the, uh, I can't remember the exact word to use, but this idea. So I was actually planning on using that, like, you know, mm. using that passage. But then as I kept reading this passage, I was like, holy cow, like it's right here. Jesus talks about clothing us with the spirit. And so this idea is, um, uh, I don't wear my dad's clothes, so my dad would love me, right? I don't wear my dad's clothes, so, uh, you know, uh, I wear them because I love my dad, right? And in the same way, I think we should just sit in the presence of God <clears throat> and receive the promise that he's going to transform us. He will clothe us. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. He will equip us with that, uh, that which we need in order to do the work of witnessing, in order to do the work of ministry. And the point that I was trying to drill home is like, I don't do this to earn God's love, but I do it because God loves me. Uh, I don't wear these clothes because, you know, to earn my dad's love. I do it because I love my dad and he loves me, right? So, um, and so it's just trying to like use that as an image of like, and then, you know, when we wear the clothing of the father, we look more like the father, right? And, and so I think what Jesus is trying to do is shape us into the likeness of his son, which is what Christ, you know, following Christ means. It's, it's we are laying down our way of doing things, our broken, selfish way of doing things. And we are taking on a better way that brings about more life in our life and, and in, in our world. And so, um, man, when I clothe myself, when I receive these gifts from the father, I begin to look more like the father he transformed yeah. me and so that's why i kind of threw my dad's jacket my hat too because those are things that he wears yeah. um and so just kind of use that uh as kind of a um what it, what it could look like for us to just receive a gift from the father and to yeah. grow more in his likeness and that's going to be the best witness to yeah. like one of the <clears throat> the the biggest resources not just to reduce it to a resource but like to when we're filled mm -hmm. with the power of the spirit um gosh it, it uh it's a it enables us to be better witnesses of who Jesus is. And I, I, I was saying the opposite was true, that um, sometimes if a church boasts to look like Jesus, but they don't look anything like Jesus, yeah. if they boast to like be clothed in you know the spirit, but you know my interaction with them was really sour or they're really mean or judgmental, mm -hmm. then it's really hard. You know That could have the opposite effect where it deters yeah. people. I think I heard someone say that the, the biggest... Um, like churches are both the biggest thing that gets people to Jesus and away from Jesus. Yeah. Like uh, where, yeah. you know, some contexts and settings, like where they just, you know, uh, they boast about love, like on paper, you know, practically and theory, or sorry, in theory, but then practically, mm -hmm. like that's what really matters, right? And so, um, so yeah, so I think that's a really big, important part of our witnesses that we just let Jesus transform us, that we admit and confess, I'm not great at this thing called life. I'm really imperfect and I've made a lot of mistakes, but um, I think being a Christian is just admitting that and then receiving these gifts uh, of transformation from God. So, um, yeah. 
so continuing on the last three verses, uh, it's 50 through 53, it says this, it says, when he, then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. It was an interesting thing that you, you talked about. So uh, Jerusalem, Bethany, like interesting, yeah. this is the way that Jesus comes in. Um, it's about like two miles, I think, if I remember correctly, yeah. from Jerusalem to Bethany. Basically, they go down one hill and then up a, yep. another hill into Jerusalem. And But they could have passed the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah. which is interesting. So they're both kind of on the Mount of Olives, which yeah. Bethany is kind of near there. And yeah, the garden is as well. So yeah. interesting stuff. So it says, um, uh, lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they can, were continually in the temple blessing God. Um, and I feel like that's just kind of the end. Of it uh, other ancient authorities or says carried up into heaven. Sorry, I'm trying to read a footnote that I can only halfway read, so I'll just ignore that because I can't read the rest of it. So yeah, so that's kind of how Luke concludes. Um, well, I say concludes, but then Luke continues to write through the book of Acts. So yeah. if you want kind of Luke part two, that is the book of Acts. It's the yeah. Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Church and how Jesus kind of spreads through the entire Roman world and yeah. how Christianity grows. So if you want a personal study, I would encourage you to read the book of Acts next. Yeah. Um, and you'll see Luke eventually kind of not just write about it, but write himself into the story yeah. as he w walks with Paul. So any, I guess, final thoughts or anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, I'll finish with this. All of this would be for for naught, uh, you know, unless we participate. Because uh, the end goal here is not more knowledge. The end goal isn't more, you know, overtimes or more conversations or more notes in our study Bibles or whatever, right? Um, while those are all admirable things and good, the end goal is that we would actually participate. And I think we can make the same mistake as the dis disciples. We could talk about it a lot, uh, <coughs> ask our questions. Again, not bad things, but I think at the end of the day, Jesus is inviting us into something. Um, and so my hope uh, for all of us, for myself, is a conviction that I have. I preach all of my sermons to myself, by the way, um, because I need them. But I think, you know, my hope is that we can all lean in and participate in what God has for us. And by all means, like, you know, uh, if you're watching CLC is not your home, we invite you to do it here. If, if this is if this is not your home or you, you know, need a better fit somewhere else, like find your context, your congregation, your place where you can do these things. It doesn't have to be here. That's okay. We're not offended. Um, but we want everyone to find a place where they can participate in what God has for them. And so I invite you to do that in whatever way that it looks like for you. But we invite you to take steps of faith too uh, into, you know, uh, disciplines that might be uncomfortable, like journeying with other people and, uh, you know, making your mess known to them and then making their mess known to you where we can just kind of journey and grow together and bring your doubts along. You know, if you have doubts, the worst thing you do is shove them under the rug and pretend they're not there. Um, but rather just be very open and honest with them with community. And then uh, when you can't answer them, because that's going to happen, just be, it's okay. Like be okay with that uh, and chart forward anyway. That's what faith is. And so I hope we can all practice and exercise faith in that. Um, and participate because let me tell you what participating in san antonio tacos is way better than just talking about it and i think the same is more but tenfold for the kingdom of heaven participating in what god has for us is exponentially better than just our talking about it and so we invite you into that and hope uh hope you'll lean in so yeah uh sue says she gets it she's got a dozen sweatshirts from her dad that she mm. wears daily love that um and so yeah i think that that's probably a good point to wrap up i do 
Uh, I do want to just say a quick prayer. Um, Victoria, I have no idea if you're still watching or not, but just feel like um, we, we should just spend a little bit of time in prayer just as we close. So just if you would pray with me. Heavenly <laughs> Father, I pray that uh, you would just bring your, your presence and your peace um, on Victoria's life right now. Lord, wherever she's at, whatever she's doing, um, that she would just allow her to feel that peace that passes all understanding, Lord God, that she would feel your presence. Uh, Lord, that in her grief and in, in her thoughts, uh, that you would just simply uh, walk with her, that she would feel your presence, Lord God, and uh, that it would be kind of a strange, bizarre uh, experience that she feels so at peace um, as she's grieving, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for that. I pray that you would just continue to move and work in her life, in Jesus' name. Uh, again, again, amen. Uh, again, if you are joining us, thank you so much for joining us, Victoria. If there's anything that we can do, please don't be afraid to reach out. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us, whether you're catching this live or you're listening to it later. We hope that you are challenged and encouraged. You can always email your questions over time at clcfamily.church. You can also call or text those questions, 610-869-2140. We'd love to hear from you. Next week, I think that we'll be back. It'll be kind of a standalone message for the 27th, and then we should be having overtime again on the uh, on that Tuesday. We'll keep you posted if that doesn't change. But we hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for coming out. And we hope to see you all next week. Bye. See you.